Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to another episode of Out of Oz. I'm your host, Peter Tragos, and with me as always is the pastor of Building 28 Church, Aaron Curran. And with us almost always. <laughs> starting to feel like that. Starting to feel like, that like a little bit. Is uh, a guest on our show today, but I mean, he really needs no introduction at this point. This is He's, he's a vet Boogie. at this point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Deshaun Cousins, our pastoral resident here, and a big... Uh, as, as you guys know, I'm a big Patriots fan, cake pop fan. Um, He's a so, pop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we also have today on the show, uh, I don't know how much I can say about what you do, Luke, but we have Luke Sawyer. So I will say Luke, Luke was a missionary in Dominican Republic for more than three years, has served in multiple contexts across the globe, uh, is on the board with Man Up and Go, a mission organization that our church has partnered with here, and works now with athletes yep. uh, from, from a multiplicity of contexts. So thanks for being on the show, Luke. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. It's going to be an interesting perspective, I think. Today, we're talking about social justice and whether or not it's biblical. And I think around a lot of these hot topics, words are always important and definitions are important, as we've stated on other episodes. And I think the best way to start is to talk about what the definition of social justice is. Yeah. I think this this is the crux of the issue. Like yep. Luke and I have had conversations about this. Deshaun and I have had side conversations. You and I have. This is this is the whole issue. It it does us no good to use the same term if we're using different dictionaries to define that term. Right. And that's what's going on today. Everyone is for justice. Like I think almost everyone is for justice. And justice is biblical. And so, justice right. is biblical. Those are but kind of the Christian or one. non, for the most part, is for justice in the world. But it's their version or brand of justice, typically, even in the church. That they're that they're kind of promoting, and so there are variants of social justice. But I guess I'll just start with, like, in my opinion, a understanding of what a Christian is to pursue. Scripture is very clear on on justice. Right? It's very very clear, Old Testament and New Testament. Justice in the Old Testament is typically synonymous with righteousness, which basically just means, like, if my child asks me what is justice, I'm saying it's doing the right thing. Now, there's two aspects of that as you study scripture. There is a justice that is kind of communal, living in right relationship with other people. And then there is a, a justice that is distributive, where you are distributing equal or fair rights, wages, a fine for a criminal activity. Like that's just as well. And so there's these two aspects, communal and distributive justice that are in scripture. And, uh, and God is a God of justice. Like that's part of his essence and character. And so as Christians, we ought to be very concerned with, with justice. And along those lines, I think it's impossible to divorce biblical justice from some aspect of societal justice because every injustice affects somebody and therefore becomes a social issue. And so that's, I'll just kind of start with that. I don't know if you want to chip in on that, Deshaun. From, yeah, do you from guys have anything yeah. to add to that definition, I guess? Um, I have much really to add, but also kind of like how my understanding has formed. So initially when I heard the term I just took the two words of social injustice and thought, all right, justice in society. I'm like, we all should be for that. Right. But over time, as I started to hear different opinions and one in particular, Vody, and I know for some that name um, brings applause. For others, they don't want to hear anything from him. But 
Vody was one that helped me to think a little bit more about it, where his take was, all right, how is it defined in um, universities in different ways that along, along that lines? And when he said that, it made me have to really wrestle with, okay, this is how it's commonly understood. And so that made me take that step back. And so those are the only things really that I have to add into it. Yeah. No, and, and I, mean, I think you hit the nail on the head when you were just talking about the the idea that social justice in and of itself has to be a subcategory of biblical justice, right? Like our justice, biblically speaking, has to have social ramifications. But, you know, in today's day and age, the, the term has become so nebulous and thrown around that it's become its own category that we can't really define anymore or has taken on all these other categories underneath it. Absolutely. Um, so I think as we unpack it, you know, even looking through Old Testament, you know, justice philosophies and, and you know, the a poor and the oppressed and the widow and the orphan and the, the foreigner and other things. It has social ramifications, but we have to unpack what that looks like for us as believers. So, I, yeah, I'm with you. So for context purposes, now that we kind of know where we stand with our definition of, of social justice, what are some of the definitions you've heard that make it nebulous, that have people kind of throwing it around and creating some gray area or mud in the discussion? So I'll, I'll read one that actually, when I was looking this term up. So it says that social justice is the equal access to wealth, opportunities, and privileges within a society. So when I first heard the term, my mind didn't go to all this. Okay. But as I was reading up on the term, that is, at least from my understanding, the common understanding of social justice. Yeah, no, and I, and I think that's solid. And I, and I think underneath of that, uh, the, uh, the nebulous part of social justice, especially in evangelical world, is that now we have all these other things that fall underneath it. So we're talking, you know, gender conversation. We're talking, um, you know, race and ethnicity conversation. And so, and I think people have picked and chose their individual areas to focus on social justice rather than looking at it holistically. Um, so, I mean, but I think that's a great definition that you just threw right there. So. Okay. So. Am I allowed to talk now? Yeah. yeah let's let's hear it. What, what do you hear? <laughs> no, what are some the, other the definitions? The only thing I was going to add is that there have been since, particularly since, the death of George Floyd, there have been literally dozens of conversations around social justice that I've had. Everyone I talk to believes in social justice. Very rarely can they give any definition of what it means. And so I think that's the very as aspect we're talking about. When we talk about ambiguity or this nebulous idea, is that everyone kind of believes in it, but they don't know what it is, perhaps. And 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 so when you say why is it nebulous, I think that's it. Like like we're we're clinging to something ferociously that we can't actually put into words and explain like what it looks like flushed out in the world. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of virtue signaling and there is a lot of, Hey, I'm, I believe in social justice. I'm a, you know, whether they want to espouse social justice warrior or not, but then when, it, when you really have a conversation, that's not just on social media, like it's hard to, to make a distinction of what this is. So I guess we're going to talk about it kind of as an umbrella as we go. And, and before we get to, biblical definitions of social justice, do any of you think that there are extra biblical definitions or things to bring into social justice that we should live by as believers that may not necessarily be in the Bible, but something that we should hold to or fight for? I'm not going to dare go first, so. Oh, you got it. You got it. Go first. <laughs> I know it's running through your mind. <laughs> All right, go ahead. What, what's, what, is, there, is there anything extra biblical? We were having this conversation yesterday to Sean, Maddie, and I about and, and to Luke's point, so, so much of the justice debate is not on the issues that are black and white, biblical, universal convictions for Christians. Like, I hardly ever have a discussion with a Christian, like somebody who really claims faith in Christ, who is for 
abortion, for example. Just a very clear cut, like this is wrong. This is unbiblical. It's a murder of babies, you know, but I'll have conversations with Christians around poverty and it's much more ambiguous as to what do we mean by the poor? What do we mean by the marginalized of society? What do we mean by the oppressed? How are we going to go about serving them and distributing justice to them? And so in my mind, when it comes to extra biblical aspects, that is something that unfortunately is held in close handedness today. And I think should be held in more open handedness. Pretty much everything that's. What do you mean by that? Like, like close mean, mean, meaning that like I can have personal convictions around it. But I shouldn't condemn Deshaun if he has a different conviction about how to go about ministering to the poor. Now, if he says, I don't care about the poor, like I don't I don't care about the oppressed society. I don't care about the widow and orphan. Then there's an issue like that exists. Right. But if he says, I care about them, but I'm going about this in a different way. I'm seeking to minister to them in a different way than you are based on my conviction versus your conviction, which are personal and not universal. That's where I feel like there needs to be more open handedness in okay, you know what, I, I feel very strongly about this, but I understand how you see things differently based on your experience, based upon, because there's a difference between a conviction that is applied to all people equally, like the sanctity of life, and a, a principle. So the principle is care for the oppressed, but that's just a principle. It doesn't give us minute details of how to go about doing that. And that's where the, the kind of ambiguity comes in and should be Christ-centered kind discussion around these things. Well, and I, I would add to that even the the whole area of political activism. What, what does it look like for us as believers? Should we be politically active for X, Y, and Z? Should we not be? How do we walk out our faith as believers politically looking for the greater good or justice or whatever we want to call it, but then trying to navigate the waters of a, a really polarizing political context right now? Um, so specifically, you know, we've had conversations around, um, you know, systemic racism, you know, yeah. is that that's an area where, you know, I think there's a lot of arguments out there as to right now, whether this is systemic or whether it's not systemic. And that conversation, I think, also needs to be held to a certain degree open handed as we we kind of walk through it. And I think even when you get into that, which which we talked about this before this episode, when we're sitting around, we're going to do a, a Black Lives Matter yep. episode specific to race in a few weeks here. But even when it comes to systemic racism, some of what people call systemic racism isn't even necessarily perhaps wrong. Like there's there's debate around what does that look like? Is it really there? It wasn't really placed there because of racial issues. Like like and so there's there's debates around that. And some of it, if it is there, is certainly wrong. Like and, sure. and that's for another time and place. But I think that's the issue that exists is there's so much nuance. And really a lot of this comes back to, and Deshaun was talking about this before, and I don't know if you want to take it, but it does come back to the Frankfurt School and Gramsci and and Marxism and cultural Marxism or Marxism 2.0. What are your thoughts on that and how that's affected social justice and understanding of social justice in the world today? Um, like Aaron was saying, we were talking about it earlier and just talking about Marxism in general. I feel like it's that buzzword right now where either it's on your side and you're thinking it's good and how it may be, or on the flip side of it's the way to condemn or put down anything that you don't agree with. So just call them a Marxist. And so because of that, I started thinking, through, okay, what does it actually mean to be Marxist? Why is it so problematic? And so Marxists, um, Karl Marx created the philosophy of Marxism, and it was based primarily off of the haves and have-nots. So it's two classes of people. There's those who have the means to produce and those who do not. And so the ones that don't have are subservient. So the relationships we broken down like king and people, um, priest and parishioner, parent-child 
husband, wife. And so all these relationships are only to be based out of oppressor and oppressed. And so what becomes problematic in that is he believed that we should have a revolution to those who are being oppressed should overthrow the oppressors. And so a lot of the commentary language that's coming out right now, at least from my own vantage point, is that it is framing into that thing. And I don't believe those are the only categories that we should have as believers. And as he goes even further, he says that once the oppressed overthrow the oppressors, then peace and equity and unity, and there won't be any divisions anymore. And I just don't believe that because of, as the Bible talks about the heart of man, I believe there's always going to be a jockeying for positions. And so those problems are going to be a part of us and part of our communities. And so the only way that they can be solved is through renewal in Christ. And then ultimately, we only see true unity and peace in heaven. And so as we're talking about all these different social systems, social justice, we have to keep that in our mind that there is no utopia here on earth and we cannot create it. Um, And it can only be with Christ. So, yeah. You know, now we're looking out at at evangelicalism and I I guess Keller's a Marxist now, um, according to half of Twitter. Um, and I think you Every, know everyone the, who disagrees with you. Everyone, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> everyone because, who disagrees with you, exactly. So you know everything kind of gets thrown under that Marxist label. And you know recently, so in the world I live in, you know I work a lot, have worked a lot in Latin America, work a lot with Spanish speaking uh, ball players right now, and specifically the Venezuelans and the Cubans um, have a really different view on what Marxism actually looks like, right? Because they've yeah. lived through it, um, and so having some of these conversations with. 40, 50 year old, uh, you know, guys, specifically kind of coaches now who um, have kind of lived through that process in Venezuela. They're looking at us and saying, yeah, that's not Marxism. Like it's not because they've lived through it. They've experienced it. The Cubans have experienced it. Um, And so I think we kind of have this buzzword that we throw around that really came. I know you're going to talk about BLM, but really came, I feel like more into, you know, popularity on Twitter and other things after kind of the whole BLM uprising, um, I would say more recently since George Floyd, yeah, definitely. Um, that we're hearing Marxism, 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 Marxism. But I think a lot of people really, you know, as you just said, have no idea what Marxism actually means. So what are some of the differences they explain when you guys talk about this? Specifically with, well, you know, it's been interesting. So as we look at, so let's take Keller, for instance, right? Like Keller is, you know, we've, we've, Oh, I don't know if you guys have read Generous Justice. We've all kind of walked through his philosophies around justice and other things for the last little bit. Yeah. Um, and so as he talks about biblical justice and other things, and we're hearing Marxism play out, and then I'm talking with you know guys from other parts of the world who are saying, yeah, like this is what it looked like 25 years ago where they completely erased our history. Right. Where we're starting to all get lumped into categories. We're seeing, you know, there's no food. There's no other things like this is what we're looking at with socialism. And right now you you guys aren't there. And and I have heard them say we potentially see you being there in 25 years. Yeah. Um, you know, I specifically have heard that more often than not around the removal of statues and other things and them saying, hey, 25 years ago, this is what we were doing. So it's not out of the realm of possibility to say we could be there. But the fact that we're there now or everyone who espouses justice also espouses Marxism, I think, is is ridiculous, honestly. So and this is not for politics, but since we call this out of Oz, we got to have a real talk. Um, Obama, when he was in office, was a professed Marxist. Like so he, he was professed in that like, now to a certain extent, like. You know, and that's the issue, too, with Marxism. Like, how far do you go down that down that path? And I think that the issue within Christianity today is, for the most part, there are some in the Reformed tradition and, and evangelicalism that are going far down the path of Marxism. They might even identify themselves with that. But people like Keller are, 
I think the argument would be that they're dabbling in it. Like they're, they're using it as like a tool for understanding the Southern Baptist Convention had a big to-do last year on do we accept – and I, I, I feel like it's important for our listeners that we unpack this fully. So do, the, do we accept critical theory and intersectionality, um, which I want to talk about? I want to make sure we define as many words as we can. Exactly. Right? We're having important. this discussion and I want people to be able to understand and follow with us. So let's yeah. let's define what's problematic you feel like about people dabbling in Marxism, like exactly. what parts of it are problematic. Yeah. Let's talk about what critical theory is and why that's problematic if you feel it is to implement how the Southern Baptist Convention did. So let, let's talk about those so things me, a little bit more as we go slowly through this. Let me kind of build on what Deshaun said so that anybody who's listening, I'll try to give it as clear as I can, and we'll see how well I do, because oftentimes that doesn't work like I want it to. But so so Karl Marx comes out with this, what's now called classic Marxism or Marxism 1.0 that that divides everybody into oppressor and oppressed. But basically it's it's an economic grid. It's It's more about finances and resources than it is a cultural grid and framework. And when that didn't work, as you come into the 20th century, when that didn't, when that revolution didn't occur that Marx wanted to accomplish, uh, a guy named Antonio Gramsci and the Frankfurt School kind of picked up this idea and they kind of, they branded it Marxism 2.0 or cultural Marxism is a classic, which is that now you take everybody and you don't just divide them based upon king and people and, and, and slave and, and owner and, and, and kind of an economic divide, but you divide them based on every identification marker that exists there. So now it's race, gender, there's divide, and, and then the train keeps going, the boxcars, so to speak. And so it comes cisgender versus, versus uh, transgender, um, bisexual versus homosexual versus heterosexual. And so on and on this goes, how do you identify all these? And really it's, it's an endless train because people can identify themselves with 30 or 40 or 50 different identification markers. What was born out of that from the Frankfurt School was what is called critical theory. Uh, became very popular, I think in the 70s and early 80s. And critical theory was the idea that everyone in society is divided into either privileged oppressors or underprivileged oppressed based upon your gender sexuality, race, classification, like all this different stuff. Intersectionality came in in 1989 with the idea that there are intersections of weight. So what, what Gramsci did is he, he formed what was called what was called the hegemony, which is the most privileged of society. And the right. most privileged of society, according to Gramsci, were rich white, white men, white, yeah, rich, white, male, cisgender, heterosexual men. Okay, that's that's. And so Every strike you have that you're not one of those things. So if you're a woman, automatically you have one. But if you are a lesbian woman, now you have two. There's an intersection of weight that you bear that just a woman who is heterosexual doesn't bear. And so intersectionality adds weight to each one of these. So that, that's kind of a framework of, of what, where the 20th century took us. So now people, people perhaps like Keller or Matt Chandler or J.D. Greer or others within Christianity on one side are saying to some extent we ought to use the critical theory and intersectionality as tools for understanding people and understanding society and culture. And then you have other people, Deshaun mentioned Vody Bauckham and John MacArthur and James White and others who are going absolutely not because Marxism and therefore critical theory was born out of – and this is, this is not – arguable, it was born out of completely rank atheistic thought. And so it's a worldview of how you view the world, how you view people, how you view society. And that's where so much of the divide in evangelicalism has come in, is do we use this technique, this as a tool, this worldview 
to help us understand how people are thinking, help us understand how to view the world, or do we reject it completely? And so that's that's kind of where we are. That's a, that's a nutshell. I don't know if it explains so it all, but no, how that so how that kind of plays into what we're talking about today is social justice would rid the world of the privileged oppressors and raise up the underprivileged oppressed. So a lot of the social justice that we've heard in 2020 is an effort to rid the world seemingly to rid the world of the hegemony of the privileged oppressors, to to bring in equity, to bring in a level playing field, we'll put everybody on the same plane. And therefore, and that's where reparations comes in with, you know, to what extent you want to take that. Right, right, right. But with, with, with bringing up the marginalized and oppressed and kind of bringing down the oppressor so that we're all equal now. And you do that financially, you do it through lawmaking, you do it through a, a great variety of efforts. The issue that exists is, you know, among, among evangelicals, I think is, are we going to step into that vein and and define social justice, or at least include in our definition of social justice, the idea of oppression and oppressed based on race, gender, sexuality, and so forth? Or are we going to steer away from that? So do you guys think, Luke or Deshaun, that there is some positive or good we can take from this and try to apply as we love people try to understand people, try to share the gospel with people? Like, is there something we can pull from these as tools? So I would say yes, in the sense of this. Um, one of the things I've been thinking through and working through personally is, are, why do people feel this? Well, why are people coming to this conclusion? And in particular, one of the events I had to go to before when I used to coach youth sports, um, and I was a predominantly black area, and the area was well known for negative things. So either crime, poverty, things along that lines. Um, and one of the kids that I used to take with me to church, he was telling me how he was being introduced to um, black Hebrew Israelites. And I was asking him, why was that appealing to him? Because he was talking about how he was in a difficult situation. And what was so appealing to him was they were telling him that he was a king, that he was a God. And all these different things were hitting home for him where other people tell him he's less than this is telling him he can be, um, he can rise up. And so through that, I recognize through these different things, though, as you're getting at with the root of them being atheistic, of thinking through, okay, how do we as believers recognize that some people, for whatever reason, feel less than or are actually in those positions? How can we use that to speak truth into that, speak the gospel into that, to speak to those different situations? So I think it has the benefit of helping us to see the problems, though I don't agree with their solutions. So that would be one way I see of using it. Yeah, no, and I would agree. Um, from the standpoint of obviously the the end game in all of this is that our identity is in Christ, right, above and beyond everything else. Um, but I think we do have to understand how people identify themselves to start the conversation. And I think even as we look at shreds of things that can be useful in CRT or in intersectionality or whatever, you know, I I, I look a lot at where what we see in Jubilee, for instance where there's categories that are placed inside of those that are oppressed in, you know, ancient Israel. So let's take the foreigner, let's take the widow, let's take, you know, um, the, the, the fatherless, right. what, what have you. And then we see, you know, even as, as Jesus comes on the scene and we see Luke 4 and we see that the first thing he's saying is he's quoting from Isaiah and he's talking about the Jubilee. So I think when we look at these ideas, we there is some validity to categorizations 
um, just as we seek to to walk with people faithfully in in yeah. where they are. So, um, do, like, do I espouse CRT? No, but. I think there's some validity to walking with people through where they identify so that we can ultimately get to the point to say our identity is rooted in Christ, has to be rooted in Christ. Um, but we have to have a starting point to get there. I think most people wouldn't disagree with with that, with what you guys are saying of that there's there's identity markers that are there. Like I should celebrate the fact my little girl is a girl. Yep. Like, you know, yeah. I should celebrate the fact my little boys are boys that um, I think race is something that should be. I, I personally think it should be seen and celebrated and understood. Yep. What what happens though is if I start telling my little girl that because she's a little girl, she is less privileged now than my little boys, I'm creating a victim mentality with her that shapes how she sees the entire world. And I think that's where that's where all of a sudden the divergence of opinion yep. factors in. Because most people would arrive at this. I think I can't speak for all of them, but I think a Bauckham versus a Keller are both going to say, like seeing somebody as black and white and celebrating that instead of deriding that or marginalizing that, seeing a, a boy as a boy and a girl as a girl, like those are good things and, and celebrating that. And then of course it gets muddied from there when it comes to sexuality and and, and gender identification and everything else. But but then it's it's do we, based on those identifications and categor categories, do we say, hey, Peter's daughter, Brooklyn, you are less privileged than Peter's son, Maverick, because you're a girl? Or my little boy, Augustine, or, or Edie, who are minorities, you're less privileged. And all of a sudden, right away, now Augustine grows up with this mentality of, I'm owed something, I got to do something, I deserve something, and that shapes this entire view of justice and that's where bringing it all the way back when we talk about social justice as Christians and we're talking, okay, we look at scripture for right and wrong and some of it's very clear cut and others are, are more so principled that need to be fleshed out. But when we come to CRT, critical race theory, uh, or just critical theory in general, because it doesn't have to just apply to race, what it's doing now is it's throwing out, at least from its origin, it's throwing out the biblical understanding of how God categorized people and dealt with people and justice. And it's saying, we want justice according to our standards, according to our belief system. And that is a redistribution of power. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've got, and, and you'll have to forgive me, but you guys and the listeners, because I don't remember where this came from. Um, but I was reading a bunch over the course of, I was away last week in Maine. And it was it was wonderful, by the way. And uh, and so I was reading a bunch on this issue of social justice and critical theory. And, and so there's a new book out. And if somebody's interested and they write in, we can get them the title of it. But it is, uh, I think the title of the book is Why Social Justice is Not Biblical. But he's actually arguing that social justice is biblical, just not as we understand it. Mm -hmm. what, what, what he defines as ideological social justice built on critical theory. And so he says ideological social justice um, is the tearing down of traditional structures and systems deemed to be oppressive and the redistribution of power and resources from oppressors to victims and in order to pursue equality of outcome. It is perhaps best recognized, this way he says, by its bitter fruit, and I think we've all seen this in 2020, for the lives and culture shaped by it are marked by enmity, hostility, suspicion, entitlement, and grievance. And I think that's the issue at hand is when we start telling people, not only are you a girl and not only are you a black girl, but because you're a black girl or a Spanish girl or, or even a white girl, you are entitled to something, you are less than, um, you are marginalized. Now we're shaping a non-biblical worldview of how that person should see themselves and their ultimate identity. And I think this is the biggest issue 
should be allegiance to Christ. Like my, I should be teaching my children that while it's it's good that they're a boy, it's good that they're a girl, it's good that they're white, it's good that they're black. Like all these things are, are good. Like they they should be celebrated. That's how God made them. Ultimately, they should align themselves with Jesus, and like that should be their primary identity. And what's happened in the church in 2020 is our primary identity has become anything but Jesus. Oftentimes, as as I just kind of sit back and listen to a lot of this. I struggle to see the importance that people put on certain things. And I'm trying to think to myself, where does this land on the spectrum, right? That I'm a boy or a girl or black or white or rich or poor, right? Where does that land on the spectrum? And it seems like in today's day and age, it is so far up at the top of the totem pole, potentially the top most important thing to me is my identity as a white man or black man or whatever. And when I think about what the Bible teaches, obviously our first and most important identities in Christ, but when we look at we should be less and he should be more, um, we're taught not to be selfish, to love our neighbor as ourself. Um, These principles, to me, there is no arguing with them. Treat others how you want to be treated. There's no arguing with them that would fix all of these issues. And then when I see like... I'm for social justice. I I want things to be fair. I want things to be just as much as we can possibly do them. But when I see some people, and I'm not thinking anybody specifically, I'm not thinking Keller or anybody, but when when I see some of the ways that they think that social justice can be accomplished, whether it's violence or taking it or taxes and forcing people to give money for reparations, that's not going to fix the issue. Like, how do you think people are going to feel if you force them to do something or take something they feel like they've earned or fight for something? I realize sometimes we have to do that. And I think I want to get into like where the lawn the line gets drawn as far as we should submit to authority, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, unless it crosses a biblical line. Do you think that we are there with social justice? And why do we need something like critical theory or Marxism or whatever, as opposed to just the principles that the Bible teaches that should help us get to social justice? Maybe this isn't directly answering the question that you've got. Um, and so you can tell sure. me to stop if it isn't. I think what we see right now is within the pushback um, inside of evangelicalism to social justice, Within the buzzword um, and the fear and the labeling of Marxism and everything else, I see a lot of evangelicalism becoming inactive out of fear to be labeled in that category. Does that make in sense? In what category? In the category of being a social justice okay. warrior or anything Got else. Um, I see inactivity or more of a uh, ivory tower arguing okay. against rather than engaging with. Good. Um, and so as we... I think as we look historically, when we watch the church follow the culture, bad things happen. And so I think in an effort to not come off as social justice warriors or other things, the church as a whole is not displaying what biblical justice is supposed to look like and not actively involved in it. So, um, so what you're saying is if we actually practice what we preach and what the Bible said, people may think we're... Marxists or or critical theory people because we're loving our neighbor as ourselves because we're sacrificing our desires and wants for other people and trying to help other people helping the underprivileged and now Christians are are so scared to do that because they don't want to be labeled as a Marxist. Yeah, and I think we saw the same argument 50 years ago with the whole 
um, even uh, evangelism versus social action conversation. Yeah. I think That's it's all obvious. cyclical, right? We come back to these things over and over again. 50 years ago, they were having the same argument. And so inside of evangelicalism, you know, so many pushed back on any social action because they said, we're just helping people that are going to hell. Um, yeah. When there were a few that were coming together and saying, okay, both of these things go hand in hand. Um, and I think sometimes these blanket statements uh, don't serve us well. Or they just create more confusion. So like, I, I don't know, even know if we have time to talk about this or not. Um, but even looking at MacArthur's statement on social justice, yeah. I think the blanket statements create a fear of being labeled in the category, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so then you see, okay, like his, his statements, I, I'm trying to think about it off the top of my head, specifically where he references the gospel. And, and I think we would all agree that yeah. social action is not salvific. Um, sure. But... I think social action is a ramification of the fact that the gospel's taken root. Yeah. Um, and so I think out of that fear, we've created an inactivity or a division inside of evangelicalism. Yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say, um, just hopping off what you were saying, that there's this false dichotomy that's been presented of either, like you're saying, print, preach the gospel or do justice. Right. And in the reality, we should do both. We, there shouldn't be this separation. So for us as believers, actually, it's proclaim the whole counsel of God so that we should be able to speak into all situations um, with biblical principles. And so when we create it to where it's either preaching the gospel or doing justice, then it's like, I don't want to be against the gospel. So then I can't align with this. I can't um, proclaim some of these things. I think that false dichotomy is causing so many problems that if you're really about the gospel and really faithful to Christianity, then you can have nothing to do with anything that's um, being promoted right now. That's so, one of the hardest things in 2020. Yep. It's just like yep. you're one or the other. Yep. Yep. And, and the problem is when you land, okay, so cat out of the bag, when you land where I land, which I feel like is not fully, even though I put my name to the statement of social justice in the gospel, like I, I backed it, but I have some, I have some issues. I, the overall general principles I, I like the I like what they're going for, and and if our listener hasn't read it, I encourage you to read it and and biblically pick it apart if you need to. But read like what? I, what are you talking? This, about? It's it's called the Statement on Social Justice in the Gospel. It was put out about two years ago okay. now um, by Vody Bauckham, John MacArthur, James White, Douglas Wilson, and a host of other pastors. Who, but the issue is, and and let me say this, and I think we all agree on this, and maybe we do. I don't know. I love Tim Keller. Mm -hmm. I love Matt Chandler. Mm -hmm. I love John Piper. I love J.D. Greer. Like, I think that, that God is using them. I think they're godly men. I think they're Christians. I love James White, and I love Durbin, Jeff Durbin, and I love John MacArthur and Vody Bauckham, Douglas Willis. I mean, these are heroes of the faith on both sides. I wouldn't fully align with either one of those right. crowds. And and what happens is when you when you land in between these these stalwarts of and, – and, and just to be clear – all those crowds don't align with each other either. Right. Like, yep. All the Piper's not fully where Keller is and, and where, whatever. So, but when you don't land, all of a sudden you start going, man, am I in the wrong? Because, and I've had people sit in my office and go, how could you not like you're part of Acts 29, like your church is, like you, you've tethered yourself to gospel coalition. How could you not follow that way? And, and our conscience has to be held captive to the word of God. Like we have to be convinced in our spirit. But where I look at Keller and, and some on the, the TGC side of things and go, I, I believe and this is for another podcast, but I believe their concepts of justice begin biblically and err into unbiblical waters. That's that's my opinion. I look at people like MacArthur and Bauckham who make it very clear that cultural engagement is basically akin to worldliness. And I disagree there. Uh, yeah. that they're not contextual. Like they don't believe in engaging the culture. I do. I think we all do believe in engaging the culture. I, I want my kids not only to know the gospel, 
but I want them to actually be respectable, moral, upstanding citizens in the culture shaped by the gospel. As Jesus was, right? Yes, their behavior shaped by the gospel. Jesus is the classic example of someone who never compromised the gospel and gave it unadulterated, unapologetically to everyone. But yet at the same time, he, while engaging the culture and, and living, of course, Christ-like in the culture, he didn't succumb to the ideologies of the culture. Hmm. And so I think that clearly as Christians, that is our example to follow. But that's where anybody listening today who's tuning in and is going, man, I hear all this chatter on all sides. And who do I align with? The scripture, and I know it might sound like a crop out, but if we're studious and committed to scripture, that's where we have to align when it comes to, I think scripture is very clear. You look at Paul, you look at Paul in Athens, that's classic text, Acts 17. He's engaging the culture without ever compromising the gospel, without buying into the Athenian thought process. To Luke's point, he's actually using it. He quotes a poem written to Zeus there. So he's using it, but without, without like lending to it credibility and saying, this is how we should all think. And and Zeus is, this is a very important part of, he's not bringing that into Christianity and introducing it to Christianity, but he's speaking their language to them in an effort to see true justice, which is a gospel issue. Like justice is a gospel issue. Like justice is the satisfaction of God's wrath and, and righteousness to grant justice, to, to bring about justice. And so absolutely, we, we have a very just God a God who hates injustice. I mean, he abhors injustice. And I think we all Christians agree, hey, justice is very important. Now, how we go about defining that and unpacking it is important. So to to kind of wrap us up, Luke, what would you say to a Christian that's asking how to respond to this, the worldly social justice movement, the biblical social justice movement? What What should be a Christian's kind of response and action to take in today's day and age? Get off social media. Heck yeah. And into the Bible. Well, yeah. I mean, partly, Other than your podcast app. Yeah, other than your <laughs> podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, but I mean, I think it has to start with loving our neighbor, right? And and I even mean geographically right now. Um, I think I see so many people that are sitting behind their computer screens in, um, you know, kind of this anonymous space where they are blasting things out, but they have no engagement in what's actually happening. Um, and I think we have to start loving our neighbors. And then secondly, I think... The, the church needs to start to embody the example of this biblically. And I think looking at, you know, the early church, we see these groups of people that were vastly different um, socioeconomically, ethnically. You know, you have this whole Jew and Gentile, slave and free. Um, you have all these people coming together in the unity of the gospel. And I think the biggest thing for Christians to do right now is engage with your local church. Um, engage with your local church, love your neighbors well, spend time with people and display the reality of the gospel to the world by by engaging with each other and living in community. Um, I don't know if that's valid or not. I think that's, that's I great. Saying. I mean, I think that's that's perfect. That's the that's the definition of biblical social justice. And if we were doing if everybody did that, we wouldn't have these problems. Right. I mean, we, we wouldn't really have these problems if everybody did that. But we're sinful. So that's if, yeah. I mean, if, if the gospel had penetrated all hearts. Right. I mean, Christian, that Sean already blew it for us and said <laughs> yeah. we're never going to have well, that. Well, Christians here. are still jacked up. So even if everybody <laughs> right. was even a Christian, right? Yeah. I mean, exactly. we've seen the infighting in the church in right. 2020. I mean, so it's not we're not living in a utopian state within right. the local church either. Um, Anything to add to that? Guys? Yeah, to, to Sean. Yeah, no, I have something um, for like you're saying for Christians to think about coming out of this is 
deal with people on an individual basis. Mm -hmm. So for those on YouTube can probably see, but those in the podcast world, I am a black man. But one of the things that frustrates me is either on one side where whenever I speak, it's I must be speaking for all black people. Mm -hmm. Or on the other side, well, you're not really black because you don't speak in this particular way um, or do these particular things. And for me, it's no, I'm a believer in Christ. My name is Deshaun. And yes, I am a black man, but I fall into my own category. I don't have to take all these different things. And so as we're engaging with one another, is not coming with all of our presuppositions of, all right, if you're white, if you're black, if you're this or that, then this is how you should operate or be, but rather interact with one another and actually know people instead of just taking all the different caricatures that we have. That's, that's good. Yep. And I think what Luke said is great to do something. Like when, when George Floyd died, the next two months involved people within our church and other Christians around the, the city and really around Act 29, other pastors calling and going, what are we going to do? And I kind of felt like, I kind of got angry, if I'm honest with you guys, because I was like, if the death of a black man at police hands in, in Minnesota made you now start asking the question, what should we do? And you weren't doing it before that? Like, there's a problem there. There's a problem in the church. And my response, and some people might have thought it was a cop out, is we're going to keep doing what we've been doing. We've been engaging our culture. We've been trying to love our neighbors. We've been preaching the gospel. We've been serving the the oppressed or marginalized in our society. Like we've been doing these things and we're going to continue doing these things. And I would say to anybody who's listening today and, and on all sides, we can virtue signal. We can, we can put out on social media. Hey, this is, this is where I, what I believe right, right. to Luke's point and be an ivory tower theologian or social justice warrior or whatever. But it's, it's a lot more difficult to actually like get in the fray and like do something. And I think you should be partnering with your local church. But also don't think you should solely depend on your local church of, hey, what are y'all going to do? What are y'all going to do? What are you instead yep. of, hey, what am I going to do about this? I went to lunch with a guy three weeks ago who's not exactly where I am. He's a member here. Great guy. He's not exactly where I am on, in this discussion. I just asked him, honestly, like, what have you done since May to see social justice rolled out in the world? And he had to pause and think, and he basically came to the conclusion, I other than say I'm for it, like I haven't done a whole lot. And that's the, that's the problem yep. is we're arguing and fighting and bickering. And we're not really, a, a lot of people are not doing to see reconciliation take place and peace restored and justice rolled out. And so I think the church should rise up to, to what Luke said, all the principles that Luke said. I mean, be people of the word, be people of community, be engaged with our neighbors, love well, loving well means speaking the truth at times. What Deshaun said, identification, my identification is first and foremost in, the, in Christ. And then it's, secondly, I would argue it's as a husband and a father. Before it's, I'm a white man. Like I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm an image bearer. We all are. I'm I'm a follower of Jesus. Like those those are important. And so instead of dividing people, bringing the church together on the things that are most critical, and then celebrating our differences, I, I think those are yeah those that's key. Yeah, and the the only thing I'd add is don't feel bad about George Floyd or any of this in 2020 being a wake up call. You know, I don't think that's what you meant by the statement that you said when pastors reached out. I think we should all take it as a wake up call. If you're not doing anything, like the conversation you had. Yeah. Let this, the I mean, God throughout the Bible can use bad events to draw us back to him, draw us back to his word, make sure we're implementing it in our everyday lives, as all three of you guys said. And I think that's what we need to make sure we do is let this, if we're not doing it now, let it be a wake up call to come back, look at what sure. biblical justice is and implement that um, in the way that we think the Bible is moving us to do. Cool. That's a wrap for today, Luke. Appreciate, appreciate you guys. Appreciate you being on. Thanks for Thanks having me. On. Always, man. Appreciate being back. Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. 
If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Oz is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.